Join us today for an action-packed episode of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, where we review the 2023 season for the New York Mets. You are Locked On Fantasy Baseball, your daily fantasy baseball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, fantasy baseball fanatics, and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day. As always, we're your number one source of fantasy baseball knowledge, and thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. I'm your host, Dominic Martino. You can find me on Twitter at DomMartinoFB. Here, as always, with my brother, my co-host, my partner in crime, Matthew Ane, and you can find him on Twitter at Matthew underscore Ane. If you're listening on a platform like Apple or Spotify, we would truly, truly appreciate appreciate it you know this time of year is kind of tough for us with everyone transitioning to football so if you're here lock on with us leave us a little five-star rating and review on apple or spotify and guess what even a little perk for you if you do do that you could take a screenshot of it and send it to us at fantasymds at gmail.com or send it to us on twitter instagram whatever is easiest for you and you will get a chance to join our coveted listener league for next season also, if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't already, hit that little bell below. It subscribes to the channel. Also gives you a notification every time we drop a new episode. And guys, real quick, got to talk to you about one of today's sponsors. It's Jace Medical. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Once again, that's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, Matt, I think let's just dive right into it, brother. Let's talk about those New York Mets and the 2023 season for them. And now, uh, where are we starting, brother? We start off with Mr. Pete Alonzo. Obviously, he had a fantastic year outside of batting average. So that was the only category, I think, that left me really desiring more. Uh, you know, you look at it and you just say, okay, a 217 batting average versus his career, you know, 271, 262, and 260. I think he honestly is probably an average of a 260, 265 guy. He could be pretty happy with that, especially with the home run numbers, the ribby numbers. And you would you would hope that the run numbers start coming up as that team can get a little bit better. This year, I just think it was an atrocious year for them. A lot of, you know, injuries, a lot of high expectations, and a lot of disappointment from Met fans, from baseball fans in general. And unfortunately, you know, that just it is what it is with that. But Pete Alonso still performed outside of that one category. So I still got to say, like, you know, the kid's an elite ba- uh, elite first baseman, you know, top three first baseman. I'm just hoping that that batting average returns, which I don't see any reason why it won't. If anything, he'll probably have a little bit more of um, an incentive to try harder next year as he's trying to, you know, create something special over in New York and actually do something. So I think Pete Alonso is going to be fine next year. I think the Mets season was atrocious and probably the most disappointing season out of them all. Yeah, Matt, spot on, spot, spot on with Pete Alonso there. I second everything you just said. He started off really great. April, March, 10 home runs, 27 games. May, 29 games, 10 home runs, uh, 21 RBIs, 25 RBIs through April, March. The batting average just really I can't explain why it was really bad this year. I know in June at one point uh, he was out with that sprained wrist uh, bone bruise situation. So that held him out for a while. Sometimes that saps a little power. It didn't really sap much of Pete's power. 
but it took away from that batting average, um, you know, where he normally lays. But Matt, spot on there. I don't really have too much else to add besides I have Alonzo as my number five first baseman going into next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he finished as a top three first baseman next year. Probably going to get a little bit more value on him this year. Last year was a second round type pick. This year probably falls more into that third, fourth round. So there will be, I think there will be some value had drafting Pete Alonso this year. Let's move on though. Let's talk about this next guy because Matt, you did a fantastic job there. Let's talk about Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor actually had a sneaky, sneaky good year. You know, he's starting to get used to playing in New York. I know that first year he only hit 230 and he didn't really do too much. But you know what? Uh, a really, really strong uh, age 29 season for Lindor. 160 games, 602 at-bats, 108 runs, 33 doubles, 2 triples, 31 homers, 98 RBIs, 31 steals, and a 254 batting average. So Lindor is very, very, you know, productive with that 30-30 season. Honestly, going into next year, I see him probably as number seven or eight shortstop for me. The big battle is him and or Ellie De La Cruz. Who do you take next year? Ellie has all the upside in the world. Or do you play it safe and you go with a guy like Lindor that you know 30-30s on the board with 100-plus runs and close to 100 RBIs? Honestly, that's what I'm going to have to really, you know, lock in on and just make that decision. Matt, maybe have a little more clarity for myself and everybody else because uh, Lindor, very, very strong year. Who do you got, Lindor or Ellie? I'm probably going to go Ellie. I'm not even going to lie. I like Lindor. Lindor's always just been consistent. You know, there's no reason not to love Lindor, and you'll probably get him cheaper than you'll pay for Ellie. So, I mean, quite honestly, it's just a matter of who you're going to who you want to place a bet on and what you, who you want to spend it on, because I probably can take a guess and say there'll probably be about like a three or two or three round difference in price during draft season. So that is really just something we're going to have to factor in and keep a close watch on to see if Ellie creeps up to the point where he's going to be almost undraftable for me, because, you know, I want to see him actually do it for a full season. And quite honestly, he didn't even do it for me in a half season. He showed potential, but he needs to do it. But I have a feeling the hype is going to go too far in the redraft leagues where I think Lindor is going to be more of the value that, you know, the devil, you know, the the guy that's just been Mr. Consistent for the last couple of years. So I feel like Lindor is probably going to be the better value come draft day and the guy you'll probably end up drafting once the hype goes too far with Ellie De La Cruz. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about a catcher here. Let's talk about Francisco Alvarez. Um. He played almost a full year in the bigs, but didn't have everyday playing time, which is fine. That He's a catcher. He ended up at like 382 at-bats. He played about 123 games, so not a full 160 season. But, I mean, hey, is what it is. But he had some nice stats and then some things that, you know, left me, you know, hoping that he can kind of correct in the new year. Uh, let's just read off his stats here with 382 at-bats, 51 runs, 12 doubles, 25 bombs, 63 ribs. Strikeout numbers were atrocious. 34 walks to 110 strikeouts and batted 209 on the year. Now, that's really just not in his profile, funny enough. So you look at his you know, minor league career, right? In 2022, he had 70 walks to 123 strikeouts and had a batting average of 260. That's actually really not bad. And then even in 2021, he had 55 walks to 89 strikeouts. Again, really not that bad. 272 batting average. I think he's more of like a 260 to 265 batting average kind of guy. And clearly we could see the home runs are absolutely legit. His career high in 2022 at 27 in the minors, he already had 25 in the bigs with like 
you know, 20, 30 less at bats. And if he could get a 500 at bat season where he earns every time, every day playing time and, you know, finds a way to get him a cheat code where they start factoring him in and putting him in DH. I think Alvarez can be incredibly, incredibly valuable and you're not going to have to pay much for him. You know, I think a lot of people were expecting a lot more from him and which was just going to make him fall in drafts. You know, I can't wait to see where the ADP is. I have a feeling he'll be outside of the top 100. So yeah. you'll be, so you might be able to get him on a nice discount and then have a sneaky little ad because if he gets his batting average to 260, uh, the home runs, I think, honestly, he has a 40 home run season to him without a doubt. And if he could get the everyday playing time on top of the Mets probably improving and not being this bad, you know, Francisco Alvarez could be seriously valuable going into next year. And he could be somebody we're going to be saying could be a serious sleeper. Matt, real quick, any chance, do you have your rankings handy? I was just curious where you have him at catcher before um, we uh, take a little break here. If I'm going to take a guess, I probably have him too low. Okay. Um, But let's see real quick, because I did finish them. I will say this. I have him at 14 in my catcher rankings as of right now. Okay. That's not even that bad, honestly. Yeah. Um. Okay, I don't have him too low at all. I have him at eight. Oh, okay. Actually, maybe when I do my Alvarez rant, we'll, we'll go back and forth a little bit about him here. But real quick, guys, before we move on and do that Alvarez rant, we talk about uh, Stalling Marte and the rest of these Mets and Kodai Sanga and even maybe a little bit of Edwin Diaz talk. I need to talk to you about one of today's sponsors. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medicals offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping you have access to the medication in an emergency, that you actually do have it. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand right when you need it. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. Once again, that's J-A-S-E medical.com and use that promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off. All right, guys, let's hop back in here. You know, I, I know I love it. I, I think most of you love it, too. Well, anyway, whoever's listening, uh, let's do a little bit of a rankings debate here. Matt and I got a little bit of a difference here on Alvarez. I think I know where we differ. I don't foresee Alvarez being that 260 type bat. I think he's going to be a more 230, 240 guy where he has those months where he's absolutely phenomenal. And I'm looking at his splits from last year when you go month by month. Uh, when he finally came up in April, March, 194 batting average, 10 games. Okay. No, 12 games. Sorry. One home run. May, the guy got red hot. Alvarez in May, 22 games, 7 homers, 17 RBIs, 292 batting average. What did he do in June? 24 games, 4 home runs, 7 RBIs, 151 batting average. Goes back to July. 20 games, 8 homers, 16 RBIs, 275 batting average. 
And then he kind of struggled to the finish line. August and September really didn't do much. In August, 23 games, a 139 batting average, one homer, five RBIs. And then September, October, 200 batting average, 22 games, four homers, 16 RBIs. So I think, do I think the power is absolutely legit? Of course. As Matt said, 35 home run season, not out of the question. It's just the batting average leaves a bit to be desired in my eyes. I don't – what he hit on the season, 209. So I don't really think Alvarez is going to bring the batting average to the table. I think he's going to be more of a power guy. So I think that's where we differ. I think that's why I got him a little bit lower. Matt, I don't know if you want to hop back in and talk a little yeah. more Alvarez or you want to keep things pushing. Yeah, I do, actually. So yeah, one, thing, one thing I'm going to say is when a, when a rookie doesn't play every day, you know, I feel like that's what kind of doesn't allow them to get streaky. I mean, they'll keep the streak going or figure it out. I think that was something that left desirable. That's why I kept talking about everyday play. If, yeah. you know, if he starts getting that everyday play, I feel like he'll be able to work himself out of it faster versus playing every two, three days. And the second he starts heating up and he figured it out, which took longer than a month, you know, now maybe it's only two weeks and he can get it up to that 265 and be more valuable and get on base and do his thing. Like, I think Alvarez has the opportunity to be better. That's why he's at eight. Because let me ask you, William Contreras or Francisco Alvarez? William Contreras. I think William Contreras finished the season as number one catcher. Okay. Gabriel Moreno. Let me see that. They're pro- I probably have them pretty close. Depends on – I will say this. It depends on who fit – you want to laugh, Matt? I have Moreno at 13 and Alvarez at 14. Okay. So Salva- think, Salvador Perez. Oh, easy. That's Salvador Perez. I have him mm. way higher than, than Alvarez. I have him higher than him. Mitch Carver. Oh, Mitch Carver, hands down. Hands mm. down, Mitch Carver all day. Mitch Carver is hitting three in the playoffs for the Rangers. He's doing good this year, but I don't see it happening next Monster. year. But Monster. Yeah, all right. Oh, maybe I have to move him down. No, you hey, listen, don't let me. My whole thing is is that I know this I know 21 years old, young guy, but he and when he did hit for for any batting average, it was in lower ends of the minors. If you even look, I know it's only 4 games in the minors in 2023, but 250 batting average, the the 272 and the 300 batting average came in rookie ball and it came in single A uh in I, I wish I could see the breakdown between how he hit in triple A and double A in 2022, but that 260 batting average, then, you know, I'm going to assume most of it came in double A, but I don't think he's going to be a great batting average. I think the power and the counting stats is where you're really going to make your mark with the Francisco Alvarez. So you're going to get good runs. You're going to get way plus home runs. The RBI should be plus as well. He doesn't really steal bases uh, and he's going to hurt you in batting average. So I definitely think he's going to be good. If you if you've built a team with very good batting average guys at the top, yeah, go out and get Francisco Alvarez as, as your catcher. And vice versa, though, with the one with Gabriel Moreno talk, is Moreno's a great batting average guy, not a lot of power. So if you have a team that has you know a lot of sluggers that aren't going to hit for a big great great batting average, you go get the Gabriel Moreno to balance everything out. That's what fantasy really comes down to, is just balancing out your team to try and make sure you have a little bit of everything. At least that's how I always play it. But that, that's a lot of a lot of Francisco Alvarez talk. Let's move on to this next guy. Let's talk about somebody who had a, a very disappointing season. Let's talk about Starling Marte. Starling Marte, I think, 
was top 20 outfielder last year, if not top 25 outfielder last year, and by most people. Um, he's coming off that dual grind surgery. We kind of should have foreseen it coming that, you know, a 34-year-old coming off dual grind surgery was going to lose some speed. I know Matt kind of was a bit lower on him than I was. I actually took Marte in way too many leagues. Uh, the sprint speed is down for Marte going into next year. Not somebody I'm going to be super, super high on. Maybe if he falls late enough and you can get him as like a utility bat, I- I'll bite it and I'll, I'll bite the bullet and I'll hop back in. Cause I think, you know, the batting average is going to be decent. I think he gets back to closer to his career at 287 mark. I still think he'll be able to steal some bases. I don't think there's going to be much power. The runs might be all right, depending on where he hits in that Mets lineup. But it's just going to be really tough with Stalin Marte, thir- age 35-year-old season. Um, let's check where I have him ranked real quick going into next season. I know I buried him a bit. Uh, 42 for me for Stalin Marte next year. So once again, not really taking him as you know much more than an outfielder three utility type bat for Stalin Marte. I'm actually surprised in that ranking. I actually have him higher. Hmm. I'm surprised how the, how the turntables have turned. Yeah, I'm at 34. Ooh. All right. So I feel like last year he just was overvalued and I didn't want to draft him based off his draft price. But if he would have fell on this range, I would have felt more comfortable, even though it still would have been the wrong choice. I'm just talking about how my draft state of mind was at the time. So like you kind of got to treat Starling Marte at that point. Like if I get him in the thirties, like mid thirties to like closer to 40, I'm happy with that. Him as a three with his upside of what he could be, especially in this lineup that I think again is going to, you know, this season is an outlier year and then all taking a step forward, I feel will actually just be better as a whole. And Marte should benefit from that because as you go through these names, there's not really somebody that's like, like, okay, as a collective group, they're all terrible. Cause that's definitely not the case. Like they should have been a lot better than what they were. Just a random year with a, with a lot of stuff that kind of explains why they all weren't in it. You know, with the loss of DeGra- um of Scherzer with the loss of, um, Verlander within the trade deadline and guys well, getting they technically hurt. did lose the Grom to Texas too. So you're losing the best yeah. pitcher in baseball. Yeah. So like when I mean, all that, yeah, but with all that going on and like, you know, you're pretty much your two best pitchers getting hurt really deflates you as a team. Yeah. And it, and I could kind of just see how like they could just be deflated. So, you know, it is what it is, but let's talk about somebody completely irrelevant in my opinion, but, <laughs> um, but we'll we'll talk about him, I guess. It's uh, Jeff yeah. McNeil. Uh, you know, I say that because I'm really just not a fan of him in fantasy baseball. He's a great player. Like, do not get me wrong. He's a really good baseball player, right? I just don't think that he is like this guy that everybody really wants. That always says in every like fantasy circle, there some he gets the guys with that are really like analytically heavy. Like they give them an analytical Woody, and that's just not me. Like Jeff McNeil just is all reliable. He's 31 years old. He had 585 at bats, plays a full season, like good. 75 runs, 25 doubles, four triples, 10 bombs, 55 ribs, 10 stolen bases, and bats 270. Like those are nice real baseball player numbers. But for fantasy, what is the what is the outlier? What is the only what's the only thing? Can you, uh, sorry, spit out the only category that you're really getting benefit from, and that's batting average. It's not even like it's completely elite at like 300. It was 270 last year. 55 ribbies, 10 stolen bases are okay, and 10 home runs, whatever. If you play in a doubles league in points, 
and points, he's definitely more valuable. He gets a bump up, but for Roto and category leagues, like you're just not, you're not looking at Jeff McNeil, you know, points. I'll take it back. He actually has some value. All those stats are way more valuable than non, but in terms of like a Roto and and five by five head to head, Jeff McNeil just isn't going to do it for you. In my opinion, he's completely fantasy irrelevant unless he's point leagues. So Jeff McNeil is that. And before I pass it on to Dom and he can give his take and all that wonderful stuff, we have a sponsor for you. October baseball is back and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started uh, to get started today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create a new account. Then you can bet from uh, get in on the action and bet from everything from first pitch until final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts, home runs, and you'll be able to get the win and get the game. And if you don't want to wait into the games, the whole game to get the W, predict what will happen in the next at bat or quick bet with your quick bets. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Set up, set up to plate, step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more of FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the Major League Baseball. <laughs> that was, I think, hands down my worst one. Um, But hey, whatever. No, no, I don't know if it was your worst one, but it's damn near up there. Yeah, well, it, it was all right. I'll get it on the second go around today. But anyway, all right, Dom, go for it. Yeah, Matt, you you were spot on with Jeff McNeil. Honestly, I, I really don't have a lot to add. Um, not really a roto guy, as Matt said. You know, he's more of a, a points league type of bet. I, I Matt and I's rankings are geared towards head to head roto, head to head categories leagues. I have McNeil at ninety one at outfield going into next season, so I don't really see a lot of you know upside there maybe in your deep um 12s 15s nl only's that type of situation you could look at jeff mcneil but i just don't think there's a lot there let's move on to somebody who i actually like who's actually had a sneaky sneaky good season let's talk about brandon nimmo uh brandon nimmo like i said just just good just a i remember somebody was asking us about brandon nimmo going into the season i was just like yeah he he's solid so, solid player right and look at these numbers. Age 30 season for Nimmo, 152 games, 592 at-bats, 89 runs, 30 doubles, 6 triples, 24 homers, 68 RBIs, 3 steals, 274 batting average. Just a very run-of-the-mill utility bat type of guy that you can kind of just count on to, for solid production. I, I have him, I think, fairly high in my outfielder rankings going into next year, 51. Not 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 too low, not too high, just right. Once again, you get a guy like this at your utility, just kind of sneaky, consistent production all year long. You know, he's not going to blow you away, but he's not going to kill you either. Especially, once again, another points league guy where you're talking about 30 doubles and six triples. And, you know, the strikeout to walk ratio is not going to kill you at 74 walks to 146 strikeouts. That's not atrocious. No, nah, not at all. I mean, Nemo isn't somebody I'm running out to get, but... Yeah. You know what? Like you'll probably be able to get him in the later, later rounds, and you know you could kind of get him as a nice little guy that comes in on your off days, yeah. unless they're not aligning with your team, and then your SOL and he's pretty much dropped. <laughs> but is what it is. But let's move on. Let's talk about somebody that I think is 
you know, not living up to the hype. And that's Brett Beatty. Uh, you know what? I look at him and I see, I see a lot of issues. My guy had an atrocious strikeout to walk ratio of 29 walks to 109 strikeouts, which honestly, if you look at his career, like, you know, um, you know, walk to strikeouts, it's actually usually about 50%. It's or damn near close. So I look at it and I go, hi, Maggie, my daughter's trying to get on the podcast. Uh, you know, I look at it and I go, okay, what's going on here? You know, hey, is it the rookie blues? Is it, you know, just the growing pains of trying to deal with major league pitching? But it doesn't look like Beatty even adjusted at all at 380 some odd at bats this year. 353, I apologize. And it gives me a lot of worry because usually you at least see like a month or two of them figuring it out or or they come up hot like Ellie De La Cruz and then trying to readjust and come down. But it was neither. It just was just like stagnant for me with Beatty. So like, I don't know if he's actually going to translate. So he's somebody that next year, let's just hope that the hype isn't going to go too far and get him in a place where it's unreasonable. I'd be willing to draft him with my last three picks and kind of see what his first two weeks of baseball look like next year. Unless spring training is just so outrageous that he's really about to just show out. Because, I mean, you look at his minor league stats and he probably should have some value with, you know, in 2022, for instance, 362 at-bats, 76 runs, 22 doubles, 19 bombs, 60 ribs, two stolen bases, batting 315. Like, you know, like he's done it in the minors, but it is a significant difference going from the minors to the bigs and getting in the show. So Beatty is somebody that, again, could be somebody that you're overdrafting and overpaying for the name and that he ends up just being a boss and one of those rookies that just don't translate or become a very average baseball player. Like I said, can be somebody that's Mr. Irrelevant for fantasy baseball, but a good baseball player. So Beatty, I'm a little worried about for next year. Beatty's a tough case, man. I have Beatty at 36 at my third baseman going into next year. Unless he has a big spring training, I don't really see anybody overdrafting him at this point. Once again, that big spring training from a young guy is always something that moves them up the boards, but I just don't see it for Beatty. Uh, it's tough rookie year. The upside is still there. He was always a great hitter in the minors, always hit for average, always hit for power, but you got to see that adjustment in the bigs. You got to come up and you got to adjust to that big league pitching. He didn't do it at the end of last year. He had he didn't do it at the end of this year or at all this year, and it's just – just a tough call here with Beatty. Just probably maybe a dart throw at the end of your NL onlys or, you know, a, a 12, 15 man type league. But otherwise, it, it's going to be real tough. I don't see myself drafting a lot of Beatty uh, next season. Let's talk about a bright spot. Let's talk about Kodai Senga. Kodai Senga really he struggled a little bit at the beginning, but man, did he finish the year strong and these numbers look great. 12 wins, seven losses for Senga. 298 ERA, 29 starts, 166 innings, 202 strikeouts, and a 122 whip. I mean, I love, love the outlook for Sanga next year. Another year pitching with this ball because you know the ball is different over in the Korean League. Uh, he's just gonna the rules. Once he once he got this down pat, I I really don't see a reason why he can't be a top 20 starting pitcher for next season. And I have him exactly at 20 for next year. Kodai Senga, honestly going to be a great SP two If you can get him there, which I think we'll be able to just, just reliable, man. The stuff is good. That ghost fork pitch is absolutely unhittable. 
He's got a good fastball too. I mean, what I don't see what's not to like here about Senga. I honestly think this is a guy that's going to get a lot of hype under him coming into next season. Just once again, I just think another year into this in the in MLB for Senga is going to make him only better. I really don't have anything but good things to say about him, especially the way he finished the season. Um, his last start was seven innings, one earned, 12 strikeouts, only two walks. Um, his start, not before that, the one, um, his third to last start against Arizona, six innings, no earned, only two walks, 10 strikeouts. Uh, against Miami, five innings, three walks, eight strikeouts, two earned runs. Just Senga is going to be great for fantasy next year. Yeah, no, I like Senga a lot. Um, it's actually, I'm still in the middle of doing my pitcher ranking, so I'm not exactly sure what his final landing spot is, but he's going to be a top 25 pitcher for me this year. It's looking that way. Has to be. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to anoint him above 20. You know, I just, it's one of those things where like he has a lot of upside for me, but at the same time, it's like, I need to see it again. And I need to see it happen more consistently across the year. Because if you remember too, it wasn't all bright spots. Like the beginning of the season was a little stuck, a little slow, but it's understandable. And then he was phenomenal. And then Lee kind of figured it out. But then again, then he adjusted. So these are all positive strides for me with him. But at the end of the day, I just look at him and I go, okay, can I, can I trust him to do it and be almost my two? And that's where I'm kind of on the finicky aspect of, do I trust it or do I let him just go be a landmine or rather see him blow up on somebody else's team than my number two and has a doo-doo season. But let's talk about this next guy. Let's talk about Edwin Diaz real quick. Probably when healthy, the best closer in baseball. Uh, knee, inju- knee, knee injury during the, um, I guess, the Puerto Rico celebration. Yeah, he he ruptured his patella tendon in his right knee. Right. So it was interesting because they were saying that he might pitch this season, and it didn't happen because it was just too risky for him. So The Mets didn't need him to pitch. I I guarantee if they were making a playoff push, he would have pitched because he got pretty close towards the end there. Right, and it's not like it's an ACL. Uh, I don't know too much about patellas, but – I can't see them being as extreme as an ACL because there's a lot more that comes into play with that. And it's not like he's running either all that much. I mean, yes, he has the field, but you know, it's not that. So I see Edwin Diaz being fine for next year. He may be a little rusty and start off slow, but so if he, he won't have his sub to ERA this year, but <laughs> he'll have everything else for you and still sub sub three ERA without a doubt. Edwin Diaz is going to be the number one closer for me next year. Really? Wow. I mean, I have my, I have my four. It's only behind Felix Batista, Hader, and Devin Williams. But that's just because I don't, you know, I, You're I don't want to get. You're not scared I, of I Batista probably getting TJ next year at some point, probably early? We'll see. I mean, he, he's another guy who I don't, I forgot. I didn't watch any of the Orioles playoff games yet, but I don't know if he's back or he's on his way back at this point. But I'm sure he'll be back pretty soon because I know he was working on it. But I, I, I think. I got to see Edwin Diaz in spring training, just see how he looks and all that fun stuff. But, you know, if he looks like his old self, there's no reason that he can't be, you know, top closer in all of baseball. But, guys, that's all for today. Please be sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate, and review. Also, thank you for making Locked on Fantasy Baseball your first listen each and every day. Look out for a new episode tomorrow where we talk about those Los Angeles Angels. But until then, see you. Peace.